0: Why are our cities so neatly pruned and manicured while nature grows freely? And what would it mean to rewild our cities? In today's episode of Pod Parks, we are building the case for urban rewilding, a process where cities around the world are reimagining themselves as active ecosystems with native wildlife in mind. We'll talk with experts from all over who are already implementing strategies across their cities and discuss whether this is a utopian vision or a near reality. I'm Alice Landon, and this is Pod Parks.
1: Pod Parks: a podcast for the Park
2: Minded, brought to you by World Urban Parks.
0: Welcome back to our second season of Pod Parks. We are so glad to have you back. On this beautiful summer day, I want to start the season off by asking you to take your headphones off or roll down the window, get as close as you can to being outside, and just listen. What do you hear? Where I'm recording right now, I hear cars. The distant humming of my neighbor's AC. More cars, general highway sounds actually. People talking somewhere in the vicinity, but no no trees or animals, no nature in general. We've come a long way in our understanding of the importance of green spaces in our cities. And we now acknowledge the importance of creating sustainable spaces and increasing our tree canopy. But up until recently, That had translated into basically decorative, pretty sterile landscaping.
1: Well, we we know with the urbanization of the city, the climate change uh, crisis, the importance of having green spaces and green infrastructures within the city. And a city like Montreal is very developed. So um, the city has to make sure that there will be Green space yeah. available for the for the people in in the, in, in in the future. So this park exists, but there's also many eat islands uh, on the park.
0: This is Jonathan Cha, senior planning advisor for Park Jean-Trapeau in Montreal, Canada.
1: So first of all, is to make sure that we we plant more trees, but it's not just about adding grass and planting trees. It's about creating spaces for biodiversity. So we want to create an ecological corridor relating. Both um, both islands, because there's an important um, uh, fauna in the in the park, many animals. We're also into a bird migratory corridor, so we want to make sure that we we contribute at a regional scale uh, to the biodiversity in the um, ecological transition.
0: Park Jean-Trapeau was originally created by the city of Montreal for the World Fair of 1967. It started off with some natural islands, but in an effort to create something more, more grandiose, islands were expanded and some more were created with ground excavated from other constructions in downtown Montreal. And it had, or I, I guess it still has actually, a dozen pavilions with museums and facilities and all of these big things. I mean, it hosted the 1976 Olympics and, and Formula One races. And in 2020, after a massive collaborative effort with Montreal citizens to reimagine what the park meant to them and to their city, a new management plan was created. And this plan completely shifted the role of the park as a public space in Montreal by placing ecological transition, diversity, and inclusion among its guiding principles. When before it had been seen as an entertainment venue, it now has sustainable development and conservation among its primary strategic objectives. And what this means is returning some of its more manicured grasslands into marshes and meadows and forests, back to how the park originally looked, even before it became a park.
1: I think we're, we're thinking about how can the park be a better contribution to the citizens, yeah. to the city, and also to the world in a global perspective of nature positive approach.
0: Park Jean Drapeau is among the many parks and open spaces that are making an active effort to bring wildlife back into the city. And the case for urban rewilding is a complex one. So first, let's start with the basics. Rewilding is essentially restoring open areas to their original wild state, shifting away from the practice of managing our green spaces as we see fit. So this means, you know, letting the weeds grow and opting out of designing spaces where there's just grass and trees and allowing wilderness to reclaim their land. And in some cases, even reintroducing animal or plant species that are native to the region. And doing this can change cities for the better. No, really. For starters, rewilding cities can help make our cities more resilient. We know that the natural environment can jump back from storms and droughts and other extreme weather events. And it can adapt much faster and more consistently than we can. So restoring natural areas to more uncultivated states can prevent and reduce the impact of natural catastrophes in our cities. And rewilding can be done anywhere. I mean, not just in parks, but in street corners and on buildings and in leftover spaces, reintroducing native diverse vegetation can also help boost biodiversity, which again is also very important because cities tend to fragment habitats and they prevent animals from moving freely.
3: So the opportunity here in terms of conserving nature is about being able to help address soil quality, uh, maintain um, our riverbanks and prevent erosion, those types of um, kind of gains in terms of the conserving and protecting nature, as well as the, the uh, biodiversity loss um, that we know exists in, in urban centers where species um, are at risk in, in urban settings particularly, they, they aren't able to, to move around as much. And, and so increasing the connectivity by creating green spaces that connect one another uh, will help address uh, hopefully some of those uh, key threats that we see from a, from a nature perspective.
0: This is Julia Brissy, manager of the National Urban Parks Program at Parks Canada. National urban parks are a colossal scale effort to rewild Canadian cities and bring the benefits of traditional national parks into urban centers, all while working with indigenous knowledge and indigenous notions of the land. And as Julia mentions, a lot of it has to do with bringing back biodiversity.
3: You know, we talked about the dual crisis also in terms of biodiversity loss. And so being able also to, um, to, to act, to, um, to address the, the threats to species In our urban centers and so some of the things for example to give a concrete example that we're looking at is um, how do you promote the the connectivity of uh, green parcels um, so that species can move freely between them Um, and so for example in in one space where we have snakes that are a species at risk they've created like an eco pass under a major major highway Uh, that's just a small tunnel for the snakes to be able to crawl through and to get from one uh, habitat to another and so, these types of opportunities of connecting green spaces that are otherwise disconnected, um, which promotes um, kind of conservation gains across across many different metrics, I think are, are are a concrete way in which urban parks can can act.
0: So, as Julia says, when we convert natural ecosystems into urban areas, we are destroying essential habitats for plants and animals, which are reduced to smaller and smaller patches of land. The growth of cities fragments natural habitats. It splits them into two, preventing animal populations from accessing what were once their homes to feed and to mate and to live. And it puts them at higher risk of suffering from extreme weather events or illness. And then, when cities replace native vegetation with exotic vegetation, you know, Maybe that meets our aesthetic needs or desires, you know, trees with colorful flowers and so on. It not only clashes with what native species actually need, but they can also bring with them new invasive species that can threaten wildlife, both in and out of cities. This has heightened the global biodiversity crisis that we're currently living in where more than 70% of global wildlife populations have plunged between 2017 and today. And this is why addressing connectivity of wild spaces within a city is so important, because while cities still pose a threat to species and ecosystems, they are also wonderful opportunities for unconventional habitats that can provide shelter or resources to native wildlife. Picture all the wild animals that emerged during the COVID lockdown. And now imagine intentionally designing spaces where they can thrive. Now, urban rewilding has a very important social role that is often overlooked. And that is because most modern cities are almost completely estranged, really, from their natural environment, It has become really difficult for people to connect to nature and to foster a sense of stewardship and care towards their surroundings. This is true, for example, for San Jose, Costa Rica. Although the city is completely surrounded by some of the most biodiverse ecosystems in the planet, many citizens can't access this natural heritage so easily. And this is where urban rewilding comes into play.
2: So I would say, Costa Rica is, is well known, number one, for its protection of over 30% of its land through natural reserves or national parks. Um, and then for also reversing reforestation, up to almost 60% of the country is forested. Um, and of course then that kind of gave us the the opportunity to really launch and And be quite successful uh, with ecotourism. Of course this also presents a dichotomy in our narrative because you know while most of of our efforts has been more towards either rural mountainous or coastal areas um, and rainforests um, the city we've kind of neglected because we tend to think of nature as the beautiful place and where it's important etc but then that has also come at a cost of not really seeing where most Costa Ricans live, which is cities. And so that's we have an urban population that is uh, well beyond 80% of the country's population is urban.
0: This is Federico Cartin, founder of Rutas Naturbanas, a citizen led project in San Jose, Costa Rica, that aims to connect people and nature through green riverside corridors.
2: What we saw was uh, was a neglect of 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 greenery, of green space, of parks um and of very natural parks. I mean, we our parks, you know, are more the traditional, sort of like a children's play or some exercise machines and plazas. sound familiar, yeah, what what we typically expect from a park. So we are kind of introducing, you know, a different concept of really thinking about. The city number one as an interruption in the natural ecosystem, and therefore trying to restore its connections to the natural ecosystems that are around, but also understanding parks and rivers um, as a way to create biological corridors. And so, it's a huge shift in the narrative, but very consequent with with the with the national narrative, uh, but a huge shift from the urban narrative. So, those are the things where where those economies are. are happen when you've paid so much attention to the natural world that you forget the natural world within the urban one.
0: San Juan, like many cities, has two rivers crossing the city from east to west, with much of the urban greenery condensed around these and other smaller bodies of water. And although this city is cradled in a mega diverse region, Urban construction has fractured natural ecosystems and created these these little green islands as tiny specks in the city. So dozens of citizens and specialists from around the city worked together for over a year to create a proposal to connect 25 kilometers of riverbanks, east to west, north to south, with 50 urban parks and over 95 schools. The final proposal incorporates low-impact mobility corridors for people to walk or cycle through the rivers, as well as large investments in restoring the natural river ecosystems to become wildlife corridors as well.
2: A big part of, I think, of what we're trying to achieve with, with Ruta is to really understand that a lot of the climate change is happening not in the rainforests. Climate change is happening in cities, and so... If we don't address it at that level, if we're not connecting, if we are creating breaks from nature, if we're not allowing for migratory species or endemic species to be able to thrive and survive, our very own existence is in peril. Um, so that's that's a big part of what we do.
0: As Federico mentions, much of their work involves changing the narrative, changing how we understand nature in our city and how we relate to our urban ecosystems.
2: Rivers have traditionally acted as barriers, right, between either two communities or between two sides of the river. And what we're in fact doing is making rivers, you know, the point of where people meet, where nature meets the city, where people meet people. Um, and that's why our mission statement is we connect people to the city through nature. And so I think that's a, it's a great way of, making sure that number one, people get to know each other, people get to know nature, understand that there's nature within the city, um, and that we're also allowing not only for a mobility corridor for people, but also for a mobility corridor in in for nature in Costa Rica. Um we've seen uh well there's three-toed sloths that move throughout these some of these quarters, and sometimes there's no connectivity, so they're kind of, you know, they end up sort of reproducing within their own families, which puts them in, in risk. So it's a great way for, for people who, who may not be able to go to a national park or even the beach um, to have a national park on their doorstep. And that is, especially being Costa Rican, um, that is probably one of the biggest equity factors that you can build into a proposal like that.
0: Urban rewilding is extremely hopeful. It challenges our assumptions about how nature exists within city boundaries, and more broadly, how we as urban dwellers interact with the natural environment beyond the current conceptions of a park. And on a personal note, I have seen so many cases here in my city where urban rewilding has become a first step for people to become engaged and transform into activists, Who are shaping the city into what they dream, and that in itself makes it totally worth it. This is the end of today's episode of Pod Parks. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to keep learning about the wonderful world of urban green, and please leave us a review. It really helps us reach more park enthusiasts like yourself, and to get connected with fellow park professionals from around the world, visit worldurbanparks.org. How would your city change if it was just a little bit wilder?
1: Pod Parks is written and hosted by Alice Landon. Produced by Vittoria Martin and Luis Romano. Sound engineering by Vladimir Yanis. Don't forget to visit worldurbanparks.org and explore the resources our community has
0: for you. Get out, explore, connect.